Tennessee is going to be awaiting a massive recruiting decision here on a Thursday. Will Tennessee get Jordan Seaton? The five-star off the tackle, number one in the country. I'll tell you everything I know heading into decision day here on a Thursday. Locked on balls. You are locked on balls. Your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Lockdown Balls. I am your host, Eric Kane. Appreciate you guys for being here, making Lockdown Balls your first listen each and every day. We're a part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every single day, and got a good show for you here today. Like I said in the cold open, number one off at the tackle in the country, five-star prospect Jordan Seaton, set to make his decision today between Tennessee, Oregon, or Ohio State. So what's going to happen today? I don't know. I'm going to ask Brian Smith. This one is really a, a toss-up heading into decision day. Brian Smith, uh, he is the recruiting analyst for the Locked On Podcast Network. Going to join me here in a matter of moments, and we're going to get you set for Jordan Seaton Day, and we'll talk about it here in segment number one. Segments two and three, surprise players for the Tennessee Volunteers this year, both on offense and defense. There were a lot of players we knew that were going to ball out this year, but who kind of balled out that we didn't really expect? All that and more coming up here on today's show. But with that being said, let's get into my conversation with Brian Smith on the Jordan Seaton decision upcoming. Brian, I appreciate you taking the time, man. Uh, major decision coming up here on a Thursday. Five-star offensive tackle Jordan Seaton, the number one offensive tackle <laughs> in the class. He's going to pick between Tennessee, Ohio State, and Oregon. This one's kind of been all over the map a little bit. What, what are your thoughts on this recruitment heading into decision day? Um, knowing Seton a little bit because I don't live that far from IMG where he plays. He's struggled with it all the way through. His recruitment, even since spring, has been pretty crazy. Florida, Ohio State, Oregon, Alabama, Tennessee, it's been everywhere. So I think he's one of the five hardest kids to pick where he's going to go. And it sounds like from talking to you off air, that's pretty consistent with what the schools believe as well. Um, but great kid and somebody who really tried to get to know all the staffs as best he could. So, and he plays that premier position, man. Nico needs to stay upright or it doesn't make any difference. So got to have a left tackle. Yeah, you're right. And I mean, he's a guy that you, you mentioned Florida, you know, Alabama was in this one. I mean, a number of schools were in this one and um, I, I don't think it's going to shock anybody what happens uh, here on decision no. day. Again, uh, I don't think uh, at the time of this recording, I don't think he's told a staff yet. Um, you know, insiders at one school think it's this school, this school, this school. I mean, it's it's kind of all over the map a little bit. But uh, for Tennessee, man, they were kind of late to the party in this one. He came to campus in September and left, and he was like, yeah, I mean, I, I, I want to know more about Tennessee. How, how good of a job has Tennessee done to kind of climb in this race and, and, and come down here to the final hours? Well, that's one of the schools he had mentioned back in the preseason that he needed to learn more about. And obviously he did. I haven't talked to him in depth about it since then, but like his, again, his recruitment has been all over the map. So that's probably not all that relevant. He just wanted to know more. That's what he said about everybody like Florida. He mentioned that Oregon, he wanted to take multiple trips to schools, which in all honesty means you're doing your due diligence, mm -hmm. but recruiting for Tennessee was a little later. I'm not sure why that was, but I don't think it's really impacted him because they've made it to the very end. So obviously they impressed him when he came up to Knoxville. So for Tennessee, if Tennessee were to land the likes of Jordan Seaton, six foot five, two hundred and ninety-five pounds, you mentioned 
Again, plays at IMG Academy. He's from the D.C. area. He's making his announcement in, in Los Angeles. I don't know what that means. Um, but for whichever team gets Jordan Seaton, what are they getting in, in terms of a, a five-star prospect? He is very polished. He's at IMG for a reason. He wanted to be pushed. He's a kid that takes his diet extremely serious. Every step he takes when he's on the sidelines, he's directing other people. Very mature kid. Somebody that I don't think he's like is elite an athlete is like a J.C. Latham was coming out at IMG. But technically, he's so far advanced for most kids that he can play right away at most schools. I don't know what Tennessee's depth chart is, but there aren't probably five schools in the country that aren't looking for a tackle in the portal. So that probably means Tennessee could probably use one there, too. But uh, everybody needs offensive tackles, man. There's just not enough of them. And he's a plug and play for most schools. Um, he will not get outworked. And great personality. If you have a chance to interview him, you'll like him. Great dude. If Tennessee were to land Jordan Seaton coming up later today, uh, you, you mentioned kind of plug and play. How do you think he fits in the system that Josh Hopple runs? He's better at pass protection, in my opinion, than he is run protection or run blocking. So I think he'd be just fine. Obviously, they're pretty balanced. They're a little more run heavy this year. Quarterback situation obviously changed for Tennessee and they adapt. But Seaton has a great kick step and he anticipates well. He's got good hand placement. O-line coach at his school loves him. He, he talked to me about him this spring, thinks he's going to be a great college player. I kind of agree that like there's really not much to bitch about. He could be a little more athletic, but you're just not going to outwork him in the frame is what you're looking for. He's massive, and he's a guy that's lean at 290-something or whatever. He's put in the work. When you look at Tennessee overall, um, how do you think Josh Hopple's done uh, his kind of three cycles now? recruiting being head coach at Tennessee how was how was Tennessee coming in terms of recruiting with Josh Hopple to help it's surprising to me a lot of the people around UCF didn't think he got after it enough in recruiting that's what some of the people told me but there's always sour grapes because he left so I don't know how much I can take that into account but he's adapted with the portal and how the SEC works I mean the night and day difference between UCF and Tennessee is pretty stark I would imagine that you can't really bitch I mean not only do you have a five-star quarterback coming up the ranks, he's found plug-and-play guys that other people didn't want out of the portal, high school, et cetera, and coached them up. And, you know, like look at the receivers and stuff. They, they just killed teams last year. When he gets his kind of guys, that system's really dynamic. I mean, I'm not a Tennessee fan, but I like to watch him. And the kids that he's bringing in, that they put up points. So I got to give him a, a B-plus overall because that was a – iffy situation coming out of like we didn't know what was going to happen with you know I mean the probation situation that was NCA botched that again that's not really surprising but Tennessee's on the better end of it now and with the guy that now knows the lay of the land they got a chance to be a top 10 program man this is kind of the Tennessee that I grew up is what I expected conservatively they should be top 15 pretty much every year yeah, you mentioned the transfer portal a moment ago um you know Tennessee's got needs tight ends you know Holden Stay is going to be in uh, going to be on in town later this weekend. Uh, he's the you know Notre Dame tight end. Justin Jolie from uh, UConn is going to be in. Juice Wells, a wide receiver uh, from South Carolina, is going to be in. I mean, every team's got needs, but overall, big picture stuff. And you can take it Tennessee if you want. But you know how wild is is this time right now with the portal opening and 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 so many impact guys from all across the country jumping in the portal for a new opportunity and a chance to go make some money. It is literally every 30 seconds checking my phone. That's the first thing, right? Literally. No. It's dangerous for me to drive because my phone's always just bumping on my legs. I got, I can't answer that right now, but it's, it's just wild. 
there are players that have a chance to go to the NFL that are thinking about staying because they want to change the uniform that they wear in college and the NIL money, especially if you're a later round pick, pretty much the same deal. And you get a chance to really up your draft stock. It's pretty wild, man, because I didn't think it was going to be that competitive. I was wrong. But yeah, I think Tennessee is going to be a major player. Like Holden stays a really good football player. Notre Dame's is loaded at tight end. You can get a kid like that to add to what they get at receiver. Yeah, I'm sure that Hypo would do very well. And they'll get some other guys too. Uh, I'm sure it's not hard selling Juice Wells on the wide receiver situation at Tennessee. <laughs> yeah, uh, that, that one's going to be interesting as well because, I mean, he's obviously an established receiver in this conference. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, what all is he asking? Um, you know, we'll, we'll see. But uh, if I'm Tennessee, I'd be very interested as well. Uh, yes. I know we're talking, you know, Jordan Seaton right now and transfer portal and everything. But, I mean, you cover recruiting. Um, you know, Nico, the get from Nico, you know, for Tennessee last cycle. He appeared in a couple of games, you know, was the backup quarterback to Joe Milton this year. But what have you thought of the limited stuff you've seen from Nico and his his outlook? And then, and then the quarterback class of last year, uh, you know, uh, there's guys already entering the transfer portal guys kind of buried on depth charts. What have you thought from that really, really good class that Nico was a part of? I saw Nico play seven on seven, got to know him a little bit. He's a fun guy to be around. Um, his arms, one of the strongest I've ever seen. I know that's been well reported, but it looks like, wow. Yeah. Um, I don't know how you couldn't at least recruit him, you know, and he's a fun kid to be around. I think he's got as high a ceiling as any player. It's just, does he learn the system? So if he's ready to come in next year and do the work in the spring, I mean, I would assume he's the guy, right? Like, oh, yeah, why would sure. he not be? Barring something completely unforeseen. Mm -hmm. So uh, Dante Moore, I thought, was the most polished kid. And even him, though, at UCLA, I don't think that was necessarily a great fit, but he still had like 11 touchdowns and nine picks. It's hard being a freshman at quarterback, man. And Dante is super accurate. So we'll see how it goes, but that was a really good quarterback group. And there were three or four guys all there together. And Dante and Nico were probably the two best. All right, man, out the door. We appreciate you stopping by here today, but out the door, uh, give me, give me, uh, again, it's a guessing game. Literally right now it's a guessing game. So I'm not going to hold you to this, but give, give me your prediction. Where do you think Jordan Seaton's going to go? Ooh, wow. That that's a wild one. Um, if I, if I was going to guess, I'd say Ohio state just because that'll be out of left field out of the group. And he's been out of left field with everything. Yeah. I have no idea where that kid's going, man. I don't think anybody does. Nobody does. And, and credit him, man, because that's hard to do. Yes, that's it hard is. To do in recruiting right now. So good for him. Brian, man, I appreciate you stopping by. Tell all the folks here at Lockdown Balls where they can consume more of your recruiting coverage <laughs> and everything else you're working on. Uh, anywhere on the Locked On Network, pretty much all the college channels. Um, it's, it's pretty wild. I, I do a bunch of shows, but at FB Scout underscore Florida on X – that's where I do most of my stuff, recruiting information, state finals work, et cetera. A lot of information coming up on two, 2025 prospects here very soon, too. Also, up there from Brian. I appreciate him stopping by and joining the show, giving some insight on, uh, obviously, Jordan Seaton Decision Day, but also just the recruiting landscape, a little transfer portal talk as well. Go follow his work, and uh, we'll have him back on the show here at some point in time when recruiting starts to tick up again in the spring after this class of 24 uh, is finalized. Hey, when we come back, surprise players for the University of Tennessee. We'll start on offense. Who was a surprise for Tennessee on the offensive side of the football that we didn't quite expect? That and more coming up next right here 
on Locked On Balls. Do want to give a shout out to our friends. That's over at FanDuel. FanDuel Sportsbook. New customers can get up to $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time than right now to get in on all that action from spreads to player props to totals, those overs and unders, and a whole lot more. You can have so much fun enjoying watching the football game and put a little coin in your pocket over at FanDuel Sportsbook. And again, new customers right now, $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. It's $150 if your team wins. Do it now at FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel.com slash locked on to continue the NFL season here today. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. All right, guys, welcome back into your Thursday show. It's Locked On Balls. We'll uh, break down, you know, win or lose if Tennessee gets Jordan Seed or not. We'll talk about that reaction a little bit on, on uh, Friday's show. Man, again, um, at the time of this recording, it's it's anybody's ball game. <laughs> and, and, and credit the kid for keeping it close to the chest there uh, in terms of his recruitment. You've got um, insiders from the Tennessee Tennessee side, you know, that you know, we think it's Tennessee, Oregon from the Oregon side, thinking it's Oregon, Ohio State from the Ohio State side, thinking it's Ohio State and Tennessee. I mean, it's wild. And and who knows? Maybe a team like Florida can jump in there. So <laughs> we'll see what happens. Ultimately, uh, a huge, huge recruiting decision coming up uh, today and the whole college football world will have their eyes on Jordan Seaton. Hey, what I want to talk about now is surprise players for the Tennessee Vols this past season. I, I did this last year, doing it again this year, kind of. You know, looking back, reflecting on all that was Tennessee football in the regular season and some players that performed pretty well that we, or maybe not so well, that we just didn't see coming. Um, not necessarily you were wrong about one of these players I was super wrong about to get to that in a moment, but some players that just kind of surprised us a little bit. Let's start on offense. And when I think of Tennessee Vols in 2023, players that surprised me, and maybe it's because uh, you know, he's a local kid, or maybe it's because, um, you know, the underrated underdog type deal. I don't know. But Ollie Lane is the first person that jumps out at me. <laughs> Ollie Lane. Um, you talk about a local kid, like I mentioned, went to nearby Gibbs High School, had to be asked to come back for a six year of eligibility. Okay. And, and luckily for Tennessee, he agreed to do that because where would Tennessee be without Ollie Lane this year? I'm not saying, you know, Tennessee would have went from eight and four to three and, you know, nine or whatever, but I mean, think about it. The entry to Cooper Mays, nobody, nobody was stepping up and taking that spot. Addison Nichols, you know, Bison Lane's a true freshman. That's a hard ask, you know. Um, uh, some other guys. Tennessee just could not figure out who was going to snap the football. And it got to a point in fall camp where they're like, all right, well, we can't wait around anymore for somebody to step up and take this. Ollie, move down. <laughs> Literally. I remember one time when I was uh, – it's so funny. I remember going from middle school football to freshman football – at Jeff County, and I played in my younger days. I had played guard on offense, and I remember we, we lined up, you know, guards here, tackles here, whatever. And my freshman coach said, All right, everybody, slide down. And I went from guard to center, had never played center in my life, learned how to play center. I played it the next four years in an option offense. It was perfect fit for me. But anyway, um, it was kind of like that. I was like, All right, Ollie, slide down. And, and Ollie Lane had snapped the football. He's one of the seven centers to go out there in pregame throughout his career, and he snaps the football. So it's not like it was super foreign to him, but he was a guard, and he had never played center in a football game. And he slides down. He starts at center the first four games of the season. Just huge. 
And then he slides out and, and starts the, the final eight games of the regular season at left guard, where that's kind of his normal spot. You know, Ollie Lane's been a guy that you want on your team. He's been around a long time. He's played a whole lot of snaps. He knows the offense. But the unselfish attitude of Ollie Lane to slide down and play center and if Andre Keurig didn't get hurt, who would have known if he would have even gotten his starting quote-unquote job back at left guard? Uh, I just thought it was huge. So good for Ollie Lane. Played a career-high 707 snaps in 2023. His grade on pro football focus on passing downs was 70.3, which is pretty solid. So, uh, again, he's not an all-SEC player, but he was a surprise for me in a good way this year. Uh, the tight end position. Talk about it all the time, I know. But the production through the air was such a surprise for me this year. And the fact that McCallum Castles being a mid-year enrollee coming from UC Davis, uh, formerly of Cal, primarily being a flexed-out wide tight end, more of a wide receiver type guy in this, in, you know, in, in this situation, um, hand in the dirt, H-back stuff, inline blocking, he adapted well and he played really well this year. Uh, coming in, getting the offense, playing 405 snaps to 406 snaps for Jacob Warren, split at 50-50, and he had what 21 receptions for. 265 yards and four touchdowns. You couple that with Jacob Warren's production. Uh, um, what's I'm looking for? Production. There we go. Uh, 15 catches for 182 yards and four touchdowns. Man, that's a combined eight touchdowns. Math. That's a combined eight touchdowns for Tennessee tight ends. It's pretty good. Tennessee tight ends are never going to get 10 targets a game. Tennessee tight ends are never going to be all conference. Uh, we we know how important that position is for this offense. Up tempo. Keep the same personnel on the field. You know, flex out, slot, out wide in numbers, hand in the dirt, all that type of stuff, H-back. But but you never really think of the big eye-popping receiving numbers. And again, this is two guys, but the, the you know combined receptions weren't a whole lot. The combined yards weren't a whole lot. But eight touchdowns? Not bad at all. How does this compare to the last two years with Jacob Warren and Prince and Fan? Well, in 2022, those two combined for 34 receptions, 404 yards, and three touchdowns. In 2021, they combined for 32 receptions, 399 yards, and four touchdowns. Yes, it's worth mentioning the Prince of Fan had five rushing touchdowns on six carries, 17 total yards. He was a short yardage back, but the receiving threat through the air for these tight ends from Tennessee this year was a surprise for me. That's awesome. Um, last one I'll mention, this is one that was a surprise, but not in a good way. Uh, I bet you know where I'm going to go with this, right? It's Dante Thornton. I mean... I was all over Dante Thornton on this podcast. Joey Halsley multiple times said that he's a stud. You know, Josh Heupel spoke highly of him. Phil Steele spoke highly of him. The players, the coaches, everything you heard and you talked to over there on campus was like, man, Dante Thornton's going to be a stud. And they love the slot receiver in this offense. So when you have a guy that's big, tall, lengthy, quick, agile, good route runner, good hands, you'll want to put him in the slot. But the slot encompasses so much more. It's so much more involved than what the outside receiver in this offense is. It just wasn't a good fit. Listen to these numbers, okay? These numbers for Dante Thornton. He had, let's see here. Mm, I had it right here. Where on earth is it? Prior to him kind of getting into a zone against the Kentucky uh, in, in the Kentucky game. All right, here we go. The first six games Dante Thornton played in, first six games, up until the Kentucky game. And he missed one game as well. I think he missed the South Carolina game with injury. He had just seven receptions for 89 yards, no touchdowns. He was a complete no, non-factor, no-show against A&M and Alabama, no catches on two combined targets. He had three drops in that span as well. 
But then they bumped him outside because Brew McCoy got hurt. They had to find a threat on the outside. They had Squirrel in the slot, bumped Dante Thornton out to the outside. And his first action from the outside against Kentucky, he had three receptions, 63 yards. The next week in a blowout win over UConn, two catches for 26 yards. Again, everybody got a little piece in that game. And then he he hauled in a 46-yard touchdown on a really, really good adjustment to the football into the end zone against Missouri in that in the first part of the second quarter. Unfortunately, he got hurt and hasn't we haven't seen him since. It was a season-ending injury. So it's unfortunate because it looked like he was really starting to come into his own on the outside. And after virtually just being a no-show in the slot for the first, you know, two-thirds of the season. So you hope that he can get healthy. You hope that he can carry that momentum into 2024 because I still think, I mean, he's an NFL body, all right? He's got to play like it. He hasn't, but he's an NFL body. I think he could really do a lot of work for Tennessee in 2024. But that is one surprise, not in a good way, from offense this past year. What about defense? Who was a surprise for Tennessee on the defensive side of the football? That is where we will start when we come back for segment number three right here on a Thursday Lockdown Balls. want to give a shout-out to our, our guys, our friends, over at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. The easiest and most exciting way to play DFS is just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than the two to six player stat projections, and you'll watch the winnings roll in. You fill up your player card here, two to six players, all right, and you can win up to 25 times your money this football season, and now you can do it in basketball season as well. Just select two or more players, more than or less than the projected stat values provided by Price Picks, and you can win all that money. Plus, you can also, they have a reboot policy so that your entries can stay in play even if one of your two to six players gets injured. For football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second half, the player is rebooted. Price Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. Not bad. Plus, if you go to pricepicks.com, put in that promo code locked on college, promo code locked on college, they're going to match your first deposit up to $100. You put in $99, they're going to give you $99. You put in $108, they're going to give you $100. Again, that other eight's up to you. It's only up to $100 that instant deposit match, but you got to use the promo code locked on college. Pricepicks.com slash locked on college. Pricepicks.com slash locked on college. Promo code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. So we talked offensive surprises in segment number two. Let's end our Thursday show by talking about some guys that were a bit of a surprise on the defensive side of the football. And again, we got Tennessee, Iowa coming up, Citrus Bowl. We got one more football game left, but we're in offseason mode right now. It is what it is. We'll get into game week mode closer towards uh, you know the, the week after Christmas and all that. But we're in off-season mode. We're reflecting. We're looking at the transfer portal, all that type of stuff. Big weekend coming up for some transfer portal targets. We'll talk about that on Friday's show. But let's end Thursday's show by talking surprises on the defensive side of the football. Offensively, my surprises were Ollie Lane. My surprises were the tight end position, okay? And not a good surprise was Dante Thornton. Got three good ones here on defense. And let me see if mine kind of match yours. Tyler Barron. I mean... How many times throughout his career have we said, man, the ability's there, the ability's there, the skill set's there. It's a matter of sometimes want to, in my opinion, but also durability. Can you stay on the field? You know, what many have just have described as a contract year, and we'll see what he exactly decides to do. If he'll go to the NFL draft, um, if he'll return to campus, maybe transfer a portal, I don't know. But we'll see what he de decides to do. But this could be a contract year for him. And if so, 
job well done. Had six sacks. That's top 10 in the SEC. That's number two on Tennessee's roster behind, of course, James Pierce, who had uh, eight and a half. He ranks among the leaders with uh, 10 and a half stops behind the line of scrimmage. Um, that was third on the team, and it's it's among the top 13 or 14 in the SEC. So 10 and a half TFLs. He played a career-high 444 snaps, and he stayed relatively injury-free. I mean, everybody gets banged up. He also had a scoop and score touchdown. I mean, he was all over the place. Oh, and he led Tennessee with 31 quarterback hurries. The next closest, I believe, was James Pierce at like 21. Uh, Tyler Barron was all over. If he wasn't getting there and bringing him down, he was hitting the quarterback, and we saw that during the uh, the Vanderbilt game for sure. Uh, the defensive end, the fifth highest graded player for Tennessee on pro football focus at 79.6. Um, he just had a really, really good year. And you always wondered if it was going to click for Tyler Barron. It clicked in 2023. He was solid. So that was a surprise for me. Again, not because I didn't think he could do it, but because he had never put it together here at Tennessee. My next one, and my last two, I love these. Um, and I think we're all coming around on this first one that I'm going to mention. The second one, eh, might make some more enemies like I did on Monday's show. The second one I'm going to talk about is Kamal Haddon. I mean, listen, you can always remember him for getting burned after play after play after play at South Carolina and then getting up and talking crap, okay? Um, I've had bad moments as well. I hope you don't remember me for my bad moments. I hope you remember me for my good moments. I hope you guys remember me for my good shows. I have bad shows sometimes. I'm not perfect. Um, neither is Kamal Haddon. He had a really bad game against South Carolina. He had a really bad play against Florida where he gave little effort, did not wrap up, went in for the hit, and and Trevor Etienne bounced off and, and uh, went and scored a touchdown, 62 yards in the swamp. You can remember Kamal Haddon for those plays. But Kamal Haddon was playing elite football for Tennessee as a cover corner. Elite football for Tennessee as a cover corner up until a season-ending injury against Alabama in late October. That was week seven. So it's really unfortunate that his season got cut short. But at the time of his injury, Haddon was tied for third in FBS with 11 passes defended, tied for 14th in the country with three interceptions, one of which was a pick six returned uh, to the house against South Carolina. His 90.5 coverage grade ranked first among SEC defensive backs and fourth in college football through week eight, so up until his injury. Again, those were elite numbers. He was fantastic. And why is this a surprise? Well, his overall grades in 2021 and 2022, he was a starter in 2022, was in and out of the lineup in 2021. His pro football focus overall grades in those years were 60.4 and 62.5 through 261 snaps and 559 snaps. Okay, He only played 311 snaps due to the injury, but his overall grade was like 85, um, 85.8. His play was elite this year. It was, and I hate that he got hurt. And I think a lot of fans came around and you know wished him well after the injury, and that was great to see. I mean, there were some fans booing him in the starting lineups earlier this year. Um, I hate that he got hurt because he was playing so, so well. So he for sure is a surprise. Tyler Barron, Kamal Haddon, and this last one, We've had a good 30 minutes. A lot of you guys can turn it off. But hey, numbers don't lie. And I'm not trying to say he's an All-American. I'm not trying to say that he's All-SEC. Clearly, he's not. Those teams, those teams came out earlier this week. Uh, we should probably talk about that. Maybe I'll talk about that on tomorrow's show. But the final surprise that I'm going to mention on today's show, safety, Jalen McCullough. <laughs> numbers don't lie, guys. All right, he came on strong in 2019. Everybody loved Tank back then. Took over the starting safety job. Midway through was a true freshman, 
and was pretty strong, but then his numbers and production dipped. All right, he has played over 3,500 snaps in his career, okay? 3,500 and some odd snaps. 996 snaps in 2021. Literally never came off the field that year. And he hardly ever came off the field, you know, for Tennessee throughout his career. Um, he was a staple for Tim Banks, a guy that Tim Banks trusted, okay? But in 2023, this past season, McCullough graded out at 84.9, according to Pro Football Focus. That is really, really good. Consider the 12th best safety in the country with a minimum of 100 snaps. McCullough's grade was the third highest among SEC safeties, and he tied for the team lead with Kamal Haddon with three interceptions. He was also, I believe, third on the team with 54 tackles. He was not an all-star. He messed up sometimes. He was still not great. And you can still want to see fresh guys out there, want to see different guys back there. That is fair. I'm not making the case. I mean, he can't return. He's out of eligibility. I'm not making the case that he, sh he should somehow apply for a waiver and come back. But I'm just saying, you might want to appreciate, in my opinion, this is how I view this, I want to appreciate kind of the play that he did this year because he was much better, much, much better. And for me, that's a surprise because Jalen McCullough has not been very good the last couple of years at the safety position. And Tennessee had to keep playing him and Trayvon Flowers because they had nobody else that they trusted. They still played him and Wesley Walker repeatedly all the time this year, but at least he was playing better. So my three surprises defensively for Tennessee, Jalen McCullough, Kamal Haddon, and Tyler Barron. My three surprises, well, really four on offense, was Ollie Lane, Dante Thornton, not in a good way, and the two tight ends, McCallum Castle and Jacob Warren. Let me know what you think. I would love some feedback, and it's a kind of a fun topic as we as we look back at the 2023 season. Uh, we got a big show coming up tomorrow. Massive, massive weekend in terms of guys. Um, you know, guys in for the transfer portal. Juice Wells is going to be in. Justin Jolie's going to be in. Holden Stays is going to be in uh, for an official visit. We'll preview that. We'll react to whatever Jordan Seaton decides to, you know, where he decides to go to college. If it's Tennessee, we'll throw a party here on Lockdown Vols. And uh, we'll look back at some of those all-conference uh, selections for Tennessee and some snubs for Tennessee. All that and more coming up on a Friday show. Appreciate you guys for being here. Uh, you got a big push in terms of subs on the YouTube channel yesterday. Can't thank you enough for that. Shout out Hypel's Hype Man. Uh, thanks for your help on Twitter with that one. We're still uh, inching right along to 10K. Let's get it uh, Let's get it here in the next few days, and we'll uh, have another party here on Lockdown Balls. Can't thank you enough. Appreciate you for making Lockdown Balls your first listen. We'll talk again tomorrow, guys. Until then, have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody.